0: Well, good morning. I enjoyed singing with you this morning and uh, really enjoyed the songs about following Jesus. I think you'll find that that is relevant to the text that we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to open them with me, we are in Matthew chapter 7. We'll also have the text on the screen as well, but it'd be great for you to have your Bibles open so you can see um, the context of Matthew chapter 7. We just believe the word is it like this. This is why we gather, that the Lord meets us in this word. And so, really, we don't apologize for inviting you to open your Bible and turn to a passage because this is where the power and the authority comes from. Amen. Right. This is the homework. This is where we hope to go this, this week, um, help you answer this question. I am following Jesus in public and in secret. Like, this is a question. Am I doing this? Am I doing this because I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I'm not afraid of people knowing that I'm a follower of Jesus? And in secret, like the stuff that nobody else sees, I'm a follower of Jesus then too. I mean, can't, so I want to just kind of help you think through this. Am I a follower of Jesus in public when everybody is watching, and in secret when nobody is watching? Am I following Jesus all the time? There are three three parts to this. The first is that it requires a decision. Just like entering the military requires a decision, assuming you're not drafted and someone decided for you. Assuming it's an enlistment, it requires a decision. Just like trying to decide, okay, I'm going to sign up for a marathon, like that requires a decision. There's a point that you decide, and then after you decide, your life starts to change. Just like making a major life change. Some of you have made major life changes. If you're going to make a major life change, there's a time when you decide, I'm going to make a major life change, and, and then you start to change. There's a point of decision, and then... There is the follow through. There is following through that decision. There's evidence of that decision. So if you've entered the military, you're probably going to move and you're probably going to get a haircut. You know, you're know, you going to you're gonna go to boot camp and your world is going to change. If, if you decide to run a marathon, you're going to start running. If you decide to make a major life change, you're going to start... I don't know what it is you decided to change, but you're going to start doing it. And you're going to do it when everybody's watching, and you're going to do it when nobody's watching. It's going to be in public, and it's going to be in private. Am I a follower of Jesus when everybody is watching, and am I a follower of Jesus when no one is watching? This is the question we're trying to answer today. Here we are in Matthew chapter 7. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord, you are the king, and we are your kids. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in your word and speak to us this morning. Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory's sake and our good to reach the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we jump in, we're doing a series called Next Steps. And this is because we've come to the place in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is calling people to make a decision. So all along, Jesus has been showing the difference between following him and the rest of the world. So kind of all along, he said, You know, the the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people of that day, they have one kind of righteousness. You are going to have a really different kind of righteousness. And so we had a candle out, and for six weeks, maybe it was seven weeks, I think it was seven weeks, I lit a candle at the end of every service and said, if you do this, you are going to be different. Different as light is from dark, different as salt is from whatever it's salting. You will be different. There is... The world's kind of righteousness, and there is God's kind of righteousness, and they are different. Then we said, you're going to have different life goals. I mean, this was Jesus' point. You're going to have different life goals. The world is going to be trying to impress people. You're going to be pleasing God. Other people are going to be performing for men. You are going to be worshiping God. Other people are going to be storing up treasures on earth. You're going to be storing up treasures in heaven. They're going to be living out of fear that they're going to lose out on everything. You're going to be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You are going to be different because you're going to have different life goals because you have repented and you are following Jesus. Then we said, where do most people start when they buy into this? When they're like, I'm in. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm in. Where they normally start is, and that means because I'm in, you need to change. I'm going to fix you and I'm going to fix you and I'm going to fix you. And Jesus says, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Where you need to start is with me. I will start with me. And when I decide to start with me, this is the first sermon of next steps, I realize that I am hard to work with and that I need to ask for help. So we ask. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Now, what will he help with? That's Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He will help you. As you wish others would do unto you, you do unto them. For this is the law and the prophets true righteousness. Now, he has shown the difference between what the world is doing, what the rest of the culture is doing, what everyone else is doing, and what his followers are doing. And now he is going to say, now it's time to pick. Now you have to decide and not deciding is deciding and not picking is picking now he's going to call for a decision because and this is really a truth that underlines all of scripture god will judge everyone and this really goes all the way back to what jesus said in matthew chapter 4 verse 17 where or Matthew writes, Jesus came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Judge, judgment is coming. Jesus will come and mete out rewards for better or for worse. So Jesus is preparing his people for the coming judgment. I know that this is a statement that a lot of people disagree with and a lot of people really don't like and it's one of those things that, you know, You might be tempted to hide and not say that God will judge everyone. But this is a really important doctrine because it keeps us from judging everyone ourselves. It keeps us from taking vengeance into our own hands. It's underneath the idea of vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And the idea is that means you don't have to, you don't have to take revenge. God will figure out justice. It's his area. So this is a really important doctrine because it keeps us from evil. But that was free. That's not part of this. This is just the assumption that Jesus is working under. So God will judge everyone. So, verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. Okay, so look, look at, at the... I want you to see as you read, I want you to see the contrast Jesus is making between the way everyone else is going and the way he is calling his followers to. You're going to see every, every part of this is contrast. So he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is, read, you just read the yellow words with me, okay? For the gate is wide, wide and the way is easy. And that leads to? And those who enter by it are many. What do you have to do to go through the wide gate? Nothing. Nothing. You don't have to take anything off. You don't have to leave anything behind. You don't have to squeeze. You can go through a bunch at a time. What do you have to do? Nothing. What do you have to do to go on the easy, broad, wide path? Nothing. You just get swept along with culture. You just, you just, that's the default setting. That's the way of democratic consensus. That's the way everyone is going. And where does it lead? Hell, destruction, judgment. Okay, read the yellow words with me again. For the gate is narrow. narrow. The way is hard. hard. That leads to And those who find it are Few. few. You see the contrast? What do you have to do? What do you have to do to enter by the narrow gate? Boy, you gotta make a decision. You gotta decide. This will not come naturally. This is not your default setting. This is not what all your friends are doing. This is narrow and it is hard. Jesus compared it to the eye of a camel. It is hard. It's not the broad gate that lots of people can go into, all. Oh, it doesn't matter, just come, it doesn't matter. The narrow gate is like a turnstile. You get in one at a time, and you got to squeeze. It's hard. It's a decision you have to make. So I want you to ask, am I following Jesus? Am I currently, right now, following Jesus? Is Jesus Lord of my life right now? Am I fully surrendered to Jesus right now? See, I have this this picture up here because this is like the broad path everyone is on. Everyone is... I mean everybody else we're all just headed towards destruction and Jesus is saying in his preaching repent make the hard decision to stop doing what you're doing to stop going the way you're going to stop living a my will be done life, my kingdom come life, hallowed be my name life stop Make the decision to follow me. And that's going to be a decision that you make again and again and again as I decide to follow Jesus and I keep following Jesus and I keep following Jesus. And that's why it's talked about as this way is hard. It is following Jesus. It's a way of life. But here's what, here's what you already know. You already know that making the hard, right decision is usually life-giving in the end. Making the hard, right decision, deciding to tell the truth when it's really hard to tell the truth, you don't want to tell the truth, is usually life-giving in the end. Deciding to confront the person when you don't want to confront the person. Deciding to confess your sins when, boy, you really don't want to confess your sins deciding not to take the shortcut deciding to do the workout deciding to like like deciding to finish the job rather than kind of not really finishing the job like doing the hard right thing when is that not life giving in the end this is the ultimate hard right thing that is ultimately life giving because it leads to life Decide, decide to stop living a my will be done, my way, the way I want, my direction. Put that to death to follow Jesus. It's the hard right decision that leads to life. And Listen, that's what I want for you. I want life for you. I don't want you to... It doesn't matter what I... It's what God wants for you. Don't don't get sucked along on the easy path, the way of consensus that everyone is going. Don't do that. Make the hard right decision and receive life. Now, if you do this, if you do this, you will change. And change is good. Like, isn't that what everybody wants to change? It's just that we struggle with making the hard right decision. That leads to change. But everybody wants to change. And that's what this next, that's what this next passage is about, where Jesus is saying, if you do this, you will change. So ask yourself, am I changing? So here we are. Beware of false prophets. These are folks that pretend to be something they're not. The last time we saw this word beware was in chapter 6, verse 1, where Jesus said, Beware of doing your works of righteousness before a people to be seen by them, because if you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So like he's like, look, first he says, Beware of you being false. Now he's saying, Beware of them being false. But there's still this idea, Beware, this could be you too. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Oh, these false prophets they dress nice, not too nice, not too bad. They dress nice, but inside they're awful. Maybe they have the self-deprecating humor, but they know how all the right words, but inside inside the ra- there's something much different than they are on the outside. How will you recognize them? By their fruit. You will recognize them by what they do. You're not going to recognize them by what they say necessarily, by how they dress. You're certainly not going to recognize them by how they look, but you will know them by what they do. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, that's another word for fruit, or figs, that's another word for fruit, from thistles, every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are you sensing a theme from this? How are you supposed to know if they're a wolf? Or truly a sheep? Well, by their fruits. By what they do. And I just want you to know, like, this is hard for, for me because I'm, I'm a person, that I'll just tell you, and some of you will disagree with this, some of you won't like this, I'm a person that likes to find the middle way. I, I am. I'm, I am not an extremist on one side or the other. I, I like to find the middle way any way I can. Every time I can. But Jesus is saying to people like me, listen, listen. There is no middle way with Jesus. He's saying there are two gates. There's the broad gate, there's the narrow gate. He's saying there are two ways. There's the easy way, and there's the hard way. He's saying there are two results. There's life, and there's destruction. He's saying there are two different amounts of people. There's the many and there's the few. He's saying there are two trees. There's the bad trees, the diseased trees, and there's the good trees. He's saying there's two different kinds of fruit. There is the bad fruit and there is the good fruit. He's saying there are two different results for the trees. He's saying there's cut down and thrown in the fire and there is get to last and flourish and be cultivated. There is only two ways and there is no middle way hard. It's absolutely true. It's what Jesus taught. So we ask, is there evidence of my faith? Or what do my actions prove? Because my actions are like my fruit. They prove what I believe. So we say this all the time. We say, It is absolutely true, we are saved by faith. Faith is like the roots of the tree. But our faith is evaluated by our actions. Our actions, or the fruits, prove what we actually believe. So, I've told you this before, and some of you still bring this up. I told you, like, I used to claim that I believed in stretching. You know, stretching. This is as far as I can get. So when I say, like, I'm in, like, searing pain right now on my hamstrings, you know I don't really believe in stretching, no matter how often I tell you I believe in stretching. You go, dude, you're a liar. Obviously you don't, because you never stretch. Well, maybe it would be better to say, I give mental assent to stretching. But if I truly believed in stretching, the fruit of my life would be flexibility, that I would be able to that I would actually follow through and stretch. But my actions prove that I don't believe in stretching. Man, I don't want to tell you this. But I think of myself as an organized, disciplined person until tax season comes around. And then it's like, oh, it's tax season. All year long, I'm like, well, it's not tax season. I don't have to save those receipts. Well, it's not tax season. I don't have to record my mileage. All year long, I live like tax season will never come. Uh, Look, I tell you, I believe you should save receipts. I believe you should write down mileage. I believe you should do all these things. The fruit of my life proves that I don't really believe that. The fruit of my life proves that is only mental assent. I wish I didn't have to tell you that, but I'm telling you that to say there is a difference between mental assent and actual belief that leads to life change. If you really believe this, That Jesus said, come follow me. This is the way of life. This is the abundant life. This is the good life. Come follow me. If you really believe that, that will come out in how you live. There will be evidence. Your actions will prove. They always prove what we really believe. So my question is, what do your actions prove about what you really believe? We started by asking um, the question like, have I decided to follow Jesus? Am I currently following Jesus? Then we said, if you've decided to follow Jesus, there will be evidence. You will be able to see it. Now, let's talk about what kind of evidence are we talking about. What kind of evidence are we talking about? Not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven so remember he's talking to disciples and he has said again and again to them you they still must enter because this is this is a hard right decision that he is calling them to make and he says some of them are calling me lord lord but they are still on the broad easy path that leads to destruction they haven't made this hard change But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So these are the folks that have made the hard right. These are the people that have made the hard changes and have repented. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Because what you do proves what you believe. And what you don't do proves what you believe. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, you know, they know the right language, they can pray the right prayers, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't we preach great sermons in your name? Man, what could be more, what could be better evidence that you decided to follow Jesus than preaching great sermons? And Jesus is saying, I don't give a rip about that. And cast out demons in your name? Cast out demons? What could be more evidence of life change? What could be more evidence that, what could be better fruit of following Jesus than casting out demons? Like people's lives have changed for good under our ministry. And Jesus is saying, I don't give a rip about that. And do many mighty works in your name. Like, we built great organizations. Miracles were done. People's lives were changed. Big buildings were built. I mean, we did many great things for you. And Jesus is going to say, I don't give a rip about that. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness because despite all their performance they're still on the broad path that leads to destruction they have never made the hard right of repentance to give themselves to Jesus so ask what do my secrets prove These are folks that in public would do great, mighty works, but in secret were still workers of lawlessness. But you know, secrets can be bad, but secrets can also be good. In fact, this is what Jesus was saying earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, the last sentence there, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is after Jesus told them to do their acts of mercy, not in public so that everyone can see, but to do their acts of mercy in secret, so that their Father who sees in secret would reward them. You're going to have good secrets, and those are secrets that prove that you really are following Jesus. This is the good fruit that Jesus is after. Then he talks about prayer, and he says, don't be like the hypocrites that stand on the street corners, and they pray their loud, buoyant prayers with all the right words and all the right theology. But he says in verse 6, and you, your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Same sentences in verse 4. Because you're supposed to go to your closet and shut the door and pray in secret, and that's the best chance you have of praying to your father who is in heaven and not to the people who are around you. Stop with the performance prayers and just pray to your father who is in heaven. And then he says, and when you fast, don't, don't walk around, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm dying, I'm so he says, none of that, none of that. You fast in secret. And your father will reward you. So we see in verse 18, very last sentence, your father who sees in secret will reward you. You will have good secrets if you are a follower of Jesus. Secrets that are fruit, the good fruit that prove and are evidence that you are a follower of Jesus. Secrets that point to Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, which says, And whatever you wish others to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That points to Matthew chapter 25. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. These are good secrets. What do my secrets prove? So here's the question that we started with. Am I currently, right now, following Jesus in public? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I'm not going to deny Jesus before men and then be denied before the Father who is in heaven. Am I following Jesus in public and in secret? Now if you're here and you're like, man, I am not doing this. I am, in, I am not even close. I mean, I, I, am, I am a sinner and I am lost and I am on my way to destruction. Well, welcome. Welcome. We're all there at one time. Welcome. What Jesus invites you to do is to turn to him. So if you were living for yourself and living towards sin what he invites you to do is to repent and that means turn to him and offer him your whole life. Turn to him. And the promise of communion that we're about to receive the promise is that his sacrifice is big enough and strong enough and good enough to cover all of our sins. And you might be like, I don't know, dude, like I have some big sins. I have some, like everybody knows what I've done. Like I have some really public sins. Or you might be saying, I've got some really private sins. You might be saying, I've got a lot of both. And Jesus said, his grace is big enough and strong enough and good enough to forgive all your sins. Every last one. What he said is, this is my body which is for you. His body is big enough and strong enough. His blood is powerful enough to wash away all of your sins all of your sins and if you turn to him he will give you that forgiveness he'll save you from those sins and he'll help you bear fruit he'll help you walk in obedience to him and your life will change for good Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts, work in our lives. Lord, if there are any here who are not saved, who are not following you, Lord, pull them towards yourself. Help them repent. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.